You're listening to Very Loose Women. Hello, listeners. You are tuned in to a special edition of the Very Loose Women podcast. So good morning, good afternoon or good evening to all of you, wherever you are in the world and whenever you have tuned in. Today, I'm afraid you've only got one Very Loose Woman in the studio, and that's me, Florrie. My wonderful co-hosts are not here with me, as they usually are. Um, Leo is battling a virus, unfortunately, and um, Soyla is actually in Poland covering the COP24 climate change conference. So hello to both of them, who I hope. Now on to our discussion for today. Um, I'm joined in the studio by Melanie Strickland, who is a campaigner, part of the group End Deportations, who um, have otherwise been known as uh, the Stansted 15. Um, This week, on Monday the 10th of December, the group were found guilty under the 1990 Aviation and Maritime Security Act, um, which was a law passed in response to the 1988 Lockerbie bombing. Um, for an act of peaceful protest. I just want to make that point, first of all. Melanie, thank you very much for coming into the studio, especially during what must be a very stressful time for you. Could you just please tell me, first of all, who who are the Stansted 15 and how did you come together? Thank you for having me. Uh, the Stansted 15, uh, we're, um, we're just a bunch of ordinary people, really. Um, we're people in our 20s, 30s and 40s, all interested in uh, the issue of um, mass deportation flights. I myself have been a climate campaigner for many years. I was active in a group called Plain Stupid, um, which is a direct action network that's against the expansion of airports. I was you know, chatting with some of my friends in, in Plain Stupid and um we were talking with other you know with with other friends and and we were we became aware of of mass deportation flights um by which i mean private secret deportation flights chartered by the home office which take off in a remote part of stansted airport and send people off to countries far away. We were concerned about that because the number of people that are being pushed out of the country in that way is increasing and we were aware of so many abuses, like so many stories of, of human misery whereby people are deported in this way and we agreed that we needed to do something about this because it's really deeply wrong. That's how we came together. So who are end deportations? So End Deportations is is the, um, the, the the campaign group. So End Deportations is wider than the Stansted 15. End Deportations has lots of different working groups, casework um, working groups working to like get individuals off um, off of these planes. Um, all sorts of different elements to it. Like it's really really broad movement of people that are well, yeah, against against. Uh, deportations and against the hostile environment. Mm. And it was a group of um, the End Deportations campaign who came together to form um, Stansted 15 who were involved in this direct action that happened on the 28th of March in, in 2017 that led to this conviction. Could you tell me exactly what happened on that night? So on that night, um, the 15 of us 
we we were aware of of testimonies of people that were going to be de- deported that night on that particular flight. I can I'll talk about those a bit bit later on. We got to Stansted Airport. We cut through the fence and we walked calmly to to the plane when it was being prepared. Um, when staff were um, busying, uh, busy readying the plane and we locked on around the nose wheel of the plane and we set up a, a tripod and, and a banner, pink banner, that said no one is legal and we were wearing jumpers that said mass deportations kill. And we just, you know, we just lay down on the tarmac and prevented that plane from leaving. What? So what were you campaigning against? Um, on, on that night, we were specifically there to to assist the people that were meant to be deported that night. So we'd we'd read their stories. We knew there was, um, you know, for example, there was one uh, lesbian who was terrified about being deported to Nigeria, whether she could not live safely as a lesbian. Nigeria has some of the the most harsh anti-gay laws in in the world. There was a 21 year old man, an asylum seeker, who's parents were here, they were British, all his family were here, he didn't know anyone in Nigeria, um, he was absolutely terrified, he did not know how he was going to survive um, and there was another person um, from Ghana who was mentally ill, like he said he was going to commit suicide if he was deported to um, to Ghana and we knew these stories were, were representative of of everyone on that on that plane, really, like they they all spoke of having um, of not having exhausted the um, the claims process. You know, they still had outstanding appeals, and they still didn't they they still hadn't had a a final decision from the Home Office, and yet they were being deported. Um, you know, in a way that put them at great harm, at, at great risk. Yeah, we 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 wanted to stop that. I know that you've met two of the people who are on the plane um, that you managed to stop. Um, could you possibly tell me a little bit about their stories? Yes. So I won't, I won't mention their names because they've they've um, not gone public, mm-hmm. and people of yeah, of um, course, insecure immigration status are you know the Home Office are very um, vindictive. So I won't, I won't mention their names, mm-hmm. but I do know their names. One of them is a guy who is in his 30s. He has been living here since 2004. He wrote an anonymous article for The uh, Guardian recently. Um, At the time of his uh, attempted unlawful deportation, his partner was pregnant with their third child. And as a result of of us stopping that plane, he got to be present for the birth of his third child. And, you know, he, he, he was able to, like, play football with his with his three year old kid because because he's still here. So, you know, we kept a, a family together. Oh, that's really, really positive. Mm. The the uh, the second person is um a middle aged woman who is um really active in her community. Um, you know, she's she's active um uh with the church. She's active with the um refugee and migrant community. She's doing like loads of good stuff she's been in the UK for many many years and um you know another person who clearly like is completely community spirited and um just makes no sense to deport someone like that I'd like to say a few words actually about um some other people that that we know on that, that were meant to be on the plane so since the action I have 
devoted my life to, to trying to, to find out like who, who was on that plane. And through freedom of information requests and asking parliamentary questions, um, we found out that there were four people, like four trafficking victims that were meant to be on that plane. I know through through my lawyers that um, at least two of those uh, women ha- are people who've experienced the worst kind of sexual violence and sexual slavery. These are people who clearly, like on any view, should never have been deported. You know, they, they would have been deported back to a place of extreme danger where they would have been liable to have been re-trafficked. Um, really, really horrific, sad, sad stories. Nigeria is is known to be, you know, there's there's there's, there's been lots and lots of um, evidence and, and reports. Lots of people are, are particularly women, are trafficked um, to the UK from Nigeria for um, for sex or for domestic servitude. So when I found out that plane was going to Nigeria and Ghana, like I I really feared that there would be that there would be people like slaves basically that would be pushed out of the country in that way. Also, I do have some experience working with refugees and, and, and migrants um, as a volunteer in my local migrant centre, where I see those stories all the time. Absolutely, absolutely heartbreaking. And in all cities across the UK, basically, there are, there are victims of modern day slavery. And instead of providing protection for these people, as our government should be doing, they're throwing them in detention centres and then pushing them out of the country without... You know, without proper due process, without giving them, without giving them the help that they need, mm. and like helping them so that they can be safe and build a new life here, it is absolutely disgusting that our government does this. And I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really ashamed to, you know, live in a country where that happens. And you know, when I took that action, I thought to, you know, myself, all my comrades thought, you know, we, you know, we we can't we can't just do nothing whilst our government is doing this. Mm. And what do you think um, this says about our, the, the UK's immigration system, the fact that these often vulnerable people, vulnerable yeah. people are subjected to deportations um, before before they have a chance to appeal? Um, what does this say about the UK's immigration system and how, how it allows this to happen? Well, I think that it shows it's it's fundamentally unfair and unjust racist and completely out of control you know, the home office just needs to be like completely you know that 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 whole department just needs to be shut down and just like completely start again because it's it is not operating in any kind of like humane decent way it's 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 a law unto itself it does not recognize rule of law mm. and obviously there are human rights implications linked to all of this um um, could you could you tell us about what happened with the um, recent legal proceedings that I mentioned earlier? Yes, of course. I mean, ironically, we were actually convicted on International Human Rights Day on Monday, the 10th of December. We had a 10-week gruelling trial. It was, a, it was extremely difficult for us defendants. We... Uh, we presented our cases as best we could. We tried to get across to the jury why we were there, um, the, the the dangers that we that we'd feared. The judge, 
after we'd given evidence, the judge ruled that um, we were not allowed to have um, a necessity defence. So the jury weren't allowed to consider the fact of um, us having acted to, um, like, save lives, basically. Um, So the the judge removed a key uh, defence for us. And the jury didn't take long to deliberate before returning uh, guilty verdicts for all 15 defendants, which was which was a huge blow for us. Amnesty International described it as um, a crushing blow for, for human rights. And indeed, we're the first um, British activists that have been adopted as human rights defenders by Amnesty International. Um, so the very wide, disturbing implications of of what happened during during the trial process, and you know, I, 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 there are a lot of questions to be asked. In particular, I would like confirmation from the government that peaceful protest is not and could not ever be a terror related act, because we've actually been. Um, convicted of an offence that is that is a, that is a terror-related offence. It um, it implements international law on um, preventing terrorism at airports, and I think, frankly, all our rights are um, are at risk, and, and civil liberties are are at risk if uh, if this conviction is is allowed to stick. We will, of course, be appealing the conviction. I'm just now going to read to you a snippet from the um, Crown Prosecution Service. Um, This is a quote from the CPS on the case. 15 protesters used equipment such as industrial bolt cutters, chains, expanding foam, scaffolding poles and lockbox devices to prevent the takeoff of a plane. These people placed themselves, the flight crew, airport personnel and police at serious risk of injury or even death due to their actions on the airfield. The CPS worked with the police to build a strong case which reflected the criminality of the defendant's actions, regardless of their motivation. Um, And what's your response to that, Melanie? My response is that that's absolute rubbish. That that was not even the prosecution case during during the course of proceedings. Um, Our defence lawyers repeatedly asked the prosecution to confirm how they thought that our actions were endangering anyone. They failed to do so. The whole issue of endangering was never even raised by the prosecution until four months after our action. So we were not told that we were endangering anyone at the time of the action. We were not questioned about endangering anyone in the police station when we were arrested. We were charged with aggravated trespass originally, which is a a typical offence that the that um, protesters are charged with. The offence of endangering safety at airports, the the terror-related offence, only became an issue four months after the action. There are lots of questions around why that happened, given that the evidence didn't change over the course of the four months. It was just that someone, somewhere within the state, made a decision that they were going to come for us with this really serious piece of law. Fortunately, lots of people have come out and stated this this is patently ridiculous. So we've had like lots of support from um, groups like Amnesty International, like many, many MPs. 
Um, yeah, I've got a list here. You've got yes. you've got support from yeah academics, politicians, high profile journalists, uh, organisations including well respected defenders of human rights like Caroline Lucas, uh, Shami Chakrabarti, Diane Abbott, Angela Davis, um, and also many protesters have, have come out in support of you. Yeah, how, how, what do these acts of support mean to you? It means everything to us. We are strong, you know, we're able to stay sane because because of the support and because of the solidarity of the movement. I don't regret my actions. As a result of our actions, 11 people who would have been deported are still in the country. You know, they're still with their families. You know, at least one of the people here has, has, has since had a, had a child. So that's a really tangible, positive thing that that came out of our action. I've got no doubt that without uh, the support of of all those people, the state would would crush us, you know, lock us up and throw away the key. But what seems to be happening now, fantastically, is that um, you know the migrant justice movement is is consolidating and getting stronger and growing and becoming more bolder. Um, the Labour government, um, Diane Abbott, has committed to ending charter flights, which is fantastic, um, to limiting detention to 28 days, which, you know, is still 28 days too much, but it's an excellent start. We currently have, like, indefinite immigration detention and there are many people that are in immigration detention for years and to reducing um, the number of detention centres, in particular to, to closing Yarlswood and to closing Brook House. So if we have a Labour government, then that stuff could happen you know, immediately, I hope. And that is just such a political shift from where we were even a year ago that it's completely amazing. I, w- I wish we had longer. Unfortunately, this is all we've had got time for this evening. Melanie, I just want to ask you if there's anywhere that our listeners can go to hear more about and deportations and to follow the Standard 15 and keep up to date with what, what you're doing. Fantastic, yes. Um, so there's an N Deportations Twitter the website is ndportations.com and there's an ndportations Facebook. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. You have been listening to Very Loose Women. Our podcast is available from acast.com slash women. Please make sure to listen to our archive and don't forget to subscribe to never miss an episode. Leave us some nice comments and give us some five-star ratings. And why not tell your friends to subscribe too? This episode was produced by me, Flory, and co-produced by Leo. Audio engineering was done by John and Leo. And I also want to thank uh, the New Economy Organisers Network for their help in getting Melanie on the show this evening. Um, You can follow us, as ever, at VLW Radio on Twitter. And we're VLW Radio on Instagram too. And Very Loose Women on Facebook. Thank you and good night, listeners.